Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cover B. Chris started. I know. I didn't start. Chris no started. And I'm... It's... It's... <sighs> you clapped us in, and then there was a pause, and I didn't know what to do. I panicked. <sighs> Guys, I don't... <sighs> it's fine. Right. It's fine. He's not replacing me. It's fine. Uh, apologies in advance. This episode's going to be really echoey. You're going to be hearing us from all angles. Hello. We haven't... <laughs> soundproofed our closet <laughs> yet and i don't truly know how that's gonna happen so i'm gonna have to look into it but we're going to try uh but this is the first episode that we are recording in the new spot uh the episodes that you will hear mixed in from here on will be ones that were recorded before we moved because we're good like that <laughs> we thought ahead but not this far ahead marvel snapped episode guess what old <laughs> deal with it months old at this point <laughs> anyway we are here with another episode of real extra go ahead there you go uh and we are talking about the notorious guardians of the galaxy volume three yeah why is it notorious you might ask because it hurts to watch oh my god in the <laughs> best kind of way and not always best kind of way in a in a good rewarding kind of way it is painful to watch especially if you like animals anyway guardians of the galaxy volume 3 picks up after the events of Endgame, wherein uh as you know in infinity war gamora died being sacrificed for the soul stone for thanos uh and that sucked yeah, that was a little rough. Uh, but Peter kind of ruined everything doing that. But then we got Gamora back. Yeah. She came back as old, I guess, 2007 Gamora. She's grumpy. Um, <laughs> when time travel Thanos showed up uh, and to reclaim the stones. If you haven't watched Endgame, I don't have to explain all of it to you. It was funky and fun and weird. But anyway, we got Gamora back, but it was an older version of her and she didn't remember shit. Specifically, it never happened to her. Because it never happened. Specifically, her entire years-long relationship with Peter Quill, where they formed a very tight bond, tight enough that Peter is basically the reason people got snapped in the first place. Don't at me. <laughs> it was his fault. It was his fault. <laughs> um, beyond that. Uh, so we pick up after that event and after the Guardians breathe appearance in thor love and disappointment and <laughs> here we find rocket being kind of an introspective character just trying to keep things together for those who don't know the guardians are now in control of nowhere uh that is a part that plays in on the holiday special mm -hmm. if you haven't watched the holiday special watch it and then listen to our episode about it at yeah. coverbpodcast.com this is um it which kind of follows the same theme of this movie, wherein Peter is an emotional wreck because of the loss of Gamora. And a drunk emotional wreck. Uh, and in the holiday special, they decide to cheer him up by kidnapping Kevin Bacon. In this, he's just an emotional wreck, and everyone's kind of embarrassed and sad for him. Uh, Nebula is helping out with the establishment of Nowhere. Drax and Mantis are also helping out, but kind of just hanging out. Groot is also helping out. Guardians are just in charge of nowhere, kicking around. Uh, Kraglin and uh, Cosmo, the Wonder Dog, are also there. 
and everyone's just living their life, doing whatnot. When suddenly Guardian Rocket Rocket Raccoon is uh, absolutely ambushed in the night by Adam Warlock. And that's where the events kind of pick up. The Guardians then go on a journey to try to save Rocket from dying as the memories of Rocket's origin flood into his mind and both us and the Guardians uh, learn a little bit more about where Rocket came from, namely his creation at the hands of the High Evolutionary, who, holy crap, <sighs> is a horrible person. Uh, and that's it. That's what the story is. It's very heartfelt, very sad in a lot of ways. Uh, there are a lot of sentient animals not getting treated well. Uh, not since Watership Down have I been forced to watch the torture and death of animals in such a very distinct way. Uh, but it works to the story. It's, it's done well enough. I do have one small gripe about it. But we'll get to that. T, what were your thoughts? Okay. So it's a very good movie. I want to just, I just want to say that mm. I really appreciated the movie. I thought it was very well done. It was very impactful and emotional. I think it did a great job of wrapping up the Guardian's story. Yep. It was a good movie. Good job, James Gunn. Good movie. Yep. Will I ever watch it again? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. So, a conversation Chris and I had immediately following watching the film is that there are two types of villains. The two types of villains that are so frequently discussed is the comparison between how people feel about Voldemort, he who must not be named from Harry Potter, and Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter. These two villains are very different, and their scale is very different, and their impact is very different. Voldemort is very big. You know, he kills lots of people. He you know, could lay out a town. He was like big, bad, big, huge, bad. He's a Thanos, right? A Thanos, huge scale, hard to picture, hard to imagine. Mm. You know, it's that type of character where it's like, you hate them because they're evil and they're bad and they do bad things. Right. Yes. But then if you ask anyone who is a Harry Potter fan, their typical response is, who do you hate the most out of the books? And it's almost always Dolores Umbridge. Yeah, you'll see a lot of Bellatrix, too. Bellatrix, yep, yep. Because and she's responsible for some painful deaths. Very painful deaths. The reason why is because these are very personal. You feel them very close to you. It doesn't feel so grand and inconceivable. A lot of time when, like, mass horrific things happen, it's hard to really wrap your head around it. But when something happens that feels like it could happen to you or someone you love or someone immediate to you or something happens to someone that you care about a lot, right? Like the difference between so many people die in a day. Well, these are faceless, nameless people that you don't know versus having a loved one die. It's a very different feeling. And that is what the high evolutionary is. He is an umbrage. He is a bellatrix. He, th this movie made me the most emotional I have been in a movie maybe ever. Same. You know, I, it was, 
it was <clears throat> there were, there were moments, a lot of tears there were moments when i was crying so hard and i was so angry and physically upset i really was concerned i was gonna rip my jeans because i was yeah. grabbing them so but tightly that's kind of the thing about this movie though is in in addition there were a lot of moments that were like tears of joy or yeah. tears of like emotional release yeah. like positive yeah, yeah. release right like relief and and or just like tears of empathy, like seeing these characters feel things and kind of feeling it along with them. Right. So th- you feel everything in this movie from start to finish. Literal start. <laughs> Literal start. We get kicked off with teeny tiny baby raccoons. Thanks, James. Thanks. Um, and there is no reprieve. Like, you do not pause. You are you are either laughing or you are crying. And that is pretty much the whole film. And I I appreciated it. I thought the payoff was well done. I thought it had one of the best fight scenes we've had in the mm-hmm. Marvel Universe in a really long time. Got a hallway fight scene, which is awesome. It's so good. Always good. And it was shot very well. Very well choreographed. But I, I want to say I do not recommend this movie for small people. Small, small children's. Um... The PG-13 label is probably the most legitimate PG-13 label on a Marvel movie to this point. Except yeah, maybe uh, Multiverse of Madness, which was very scary. Yeah, it's definitely not... Definitely go see it before the youngsters. Oh, yes. And see if it's something <laughs> that you think they can handle. Because it is very... Like I said, I compared it to Watership Down because I feel like Watership Down had a very similar... Uh, it's have, an, oh, it's an animated movie about bunnies and then it ends up scarring a bunch of kids. Yeah. It was one that I was so aware of that I did not watch. I don't, yeah. I don't watch movies like that. I don't watch Old Yeller. I don't watch yeah. Watership Down. I don't watch things that I know are going to build that type of behavior because I am an emotional little bitch uh. <laughs> and I don't handle it well. And I really enjoyed that movie yesterday, but I didn't handle it it was well it was very good <laughs> it it absolutely was and i know it's getting a lot of hype around the around the bend uh nowadays so it might seem stale to just say it's an amazing movie but it was it was, and it was very, very well good it was really well acted really well paced uh it had a great hook like a great it dives off like basically immediately. Oh yeah. The characters were wonderful. Uh, Will Poulter's Adam Warlock probably isn't going to be the favorite of a lot of old school Warlock fans, but I They're think. They're going to hate him. <laughs> I think they'll recognize the kind of narrative establishment of why he's kind of a doofus um, and hope that he'll grow into the like charming, witty hyper-powerful warlock that eventually exists in the comics, and we'll see. I mean, I would love to see more of Will Poulter's warlock, I think. He was a great addition to this. Uh, Chukwudi Iwuji's uh, High Evolutionary. My God. Amazing. (laughs) Just wonderful, wonderful villain. Well, like, incredibly well acted. Uh, I loved him in Peacemaker. I'm so happy he got to do this. Uh, I hope he becomes a James Gunn staple because I would, you know, James is known for bringing people along that he likes. It's true. Uh, Nathan Fillion's in this. His wife is in this. Uh, his brother's in this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I I read a story before we saw the movie that his manager, the high evolutionary's manager, um, 
couldn't talk to him for a few days after she previewed the movie. And I thought that was really funny. And then I watched the movie and I went, oh, yeah, no, I probably would have been the same way. <laughs> you was evil guy. <laughs> you stray rude. You, yeah, that was, oof, oof. You acted real hard. <laughs> yeah. But it, uh, it was great. It was really, really cool. Uh, the high evolutionary's whole stick is that he uh, creates societies. He's trying to create the perfect society. Uh, we get a lot of really cool nods to different moments in whether just mentioned or, you know, we we get a whole ass Adam Warlock. Uh, we get mentions of things like the Animen and stuff like that. We get little bit of a hint of maybe some like Cree hands involved like there's a little nod towards potentially the introduction of a really cool character so I hope they really follow through with that um but I like this one I really really did I was not huge on the second Guardians movie I didn't I didn't hate it but I just like if you asked me what happens in it I couldn't I couldn't tell you you know what I mean yeah, I know was... there's the song Brandy's important at one point uh and kurt russell is super beardy and <laughs> yondu dies because i know they i know that because that was a big point of the whole thing and it's been mentioned in the holiday special and etc cetera, etc cetera. um beyond that i, I don't know I don't guardians know. of the galaxy daddy issues exactly. <laughs> that's pretty much it and um it was fine like whatever but this one was really good this is actually probably i don't know what phase we're in i was i was thinking about that i i don't know if we're still in the same phase as like shang chi and multiverses madness or if this counts as a new phase i really don't know where we're at phases wise i wish we would stop with the whole phases um but since uh post in game i think this is probably my favorite definitely top three agreed my only real gripe uh if i could pinpoint one real criticism uh and this is a bit spoilery so bear that in mind. um in fact there's no real way to get this gripe without spoiling something spoiling it so don't listen past this point if you don't want spoilers um rocket has three friends and that's who we see through the memories we see uh, Lila and Tief's floor. The three other animals. One, Lila is an otter. Tief's is a walrus, and Floor is a rabbit. And um, Floor is adorable, and I love them. And I, they should be their adorable little cinnamon bun, and should be protected forever. That said, <laughs> uh, there's a big emotional turning point for Rocket in his history, where he finds out that his group of friends and his batch of animal test subjects aren't going to be part of this perfect society that's being built um this particularly takes place on counter earth uh which is a complete replica of earth made with animal animals that were forced to evolve into like humanoid animals um so it's completely populated by animal people um when we're on Counter-Earth, we find out that it's not perfect. 
and the high evolutionary has problems with that anyway that's separate so rocket finds out that his whole batch is basically going to be destroyed except for him who's going to be preserved because he's super smart and the high evolutionary wants access to his brain he goes back and starts kicking off a plan to escape uh he's been storing away little bits of technology over time and uh is looking to get out of there and rescue his friends during that time, the High Evolutionary shows up as they're breaking out and celebrating that they're going to escape. Shoots Lila. It's sad. It's awful. There's a lot of chaos that goes in. Rocket tears up the High Evolutionary's face. Uh, some guards show up. Rocket shoots them. And at that point, we're like, yay, they can now get out. Uh-oh, turns out that when the guards were shooting at Rocket, they hit Teefs and Floor, and Teefs and Floor are also dead. Because they likely weren't even shooting at Rocket. They were following the high evolutionary's order. This is where I kind of have a problem. Like I'm not when, when Lila kicked the bucket, it was a big emotional moment. It kind of was telegraphed. You kind of expected it to happen just from knowing movies and how they work that like, this wasn't going to be perfect. They weren't all going to get out and we've known rocket long enough and he hasn't gone off to hang out with his otter girlfriend. So we know something was going to go down. I just don't know if killing off, and this might just be me griping because I liked Flora so much, but, <laughs> and they were both adorable. Teeth and Flora, really adorable. Um, I don't feel like it was necessary. I feel like it was a little over the top ethos grinding. You know what I mean? It was like really trying to pull the tears out, but not narratively sound. Like it could have been as effective if Rocket takes out the guards and then Teefs and Flora are still there, and they're like, come on, guys. And at some point, Teefs is on, like, a wheelchair thing. If at some point it's revealed, like, oh, Teefs's wheelchair got shot, and so he can't move, and so he has to stay behind, and then Rocket and Floor head out, and then there's guards shooting at him, and something happens. Or, like, you know, Teefs and Floor, we see them get hit, but it's, like, electricity, so they're just stunned. And then have them pop up later, because there's this whole huge thing where there's these creatures called hellspawn that are effectively that group rockets group of people where they're animals that are like connected to a bunch of really like rough technology clearly it's the high evolutionary just like going on a bender and creating these things and it would have been cool to have like teeths and or floor show up as those and then rocket like talk them down you know what I mean? Right. Like, hey guys, I'm not gonna fight you. And then they could have been allies, and it would have been just a nice kind of reconcile moment. Um, that would have been as narratively sound and cool and heartwarming as them dying and just the like weird, slow, unceremonious camera pan on two adorable animals murdered that is like, Hey, aren't you sad now? It's like, yeah, I get it. It felt a little a little abusive of the narrative power you know what i mean to all just right. be like haha they're dead cry now i was already crying so hard i couldn't breathe that didn't make it better <laughs> yeah there could have been better ways of narratively handling that is all i'm saying that it was a little lazy and it was a little little bit of a lazy way of you know, like you show somebody a dead rabbit after establishing that this cute rabbit has a really cute and kind of infantile personality. 
they're going to be sad about it. But that doesn't make it good storytelling. That just makes you kind of a dick trying to pull out, <laughs> trying to pull out ethos in the easiest way possible. You know, so I don't necessarily agree with that. I'm sure there's probably if James Gunn and I were to like sit in a room, he'd have some sort of like, I don't know, like high minded reason for, oh, it taught Rocket that violence isn't always the answer, except for the fact that every time we see Rocket, he's making a bomb. So he obviously didn't learn that. So, <laughs> you know, you're you're trying to retroactively teach this character a lesson that he didn't learn. We know he didn't learn. We've interacted with Rocket. Maybe it's like, oh, he blocked it out. And then later on, he doesn't kill the high evolutionary. And it's like, I'm doing this for Teef's floor. But, eh, you know, eh, still... His friends getting captured and turned into abominations would have been as effective. So I don't know. Just it felt cheap. That's my main gripe. That was probably the point in the movie that I felt the angriest was just like, eh, this kind of sucks. Yeah, this it was, was kind of kind of not needed. Unnecessarily not brutal. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it like I said, it would have been equally Perfectly as fine. effective to have like there was this whole big moment where the high evolutionary is like release the hell spawn. And there was this one Hellspawn that they showed that had, like, it was, like, a bear with, like, an octopus part attached to it. So it had, like, tentacles, but it was, like, big and furry and scary. And it had, like, no personality. It had, like, no character to it. There were, like, two Hells Hellspawn that actually had, like, dialogue. And there were two Hellspawn that actually had, like, any sort of, like, power over the story aside from being, like, just background fodder. Yeah. Um. And actually, like, instigated narrative moments. And you could have easily had that, like, leader be, like, Teefs. Teef stands up, and he's got Floor on him, and they're, like, the leaders of the Hellspawn. And, you know, the High Evolutionary did this specifically to get back at Rocket, because he was just going to incinerate that whole batch, but then he turned them into these horrible creatures. Yeah. As, like, a this like sadistic kind of thing and it would make him even scarier and then it gives rocket this cool kind of emotional moment which honestly the whole movie being about rocket's growth rocket gets out of his like coma and then is kind of weirdly checked out <laughs> you know what i mean so i don't know uh, those are my only real gripes is that i think there was a better narrative way of handling that those characters that would have been cooler and had a better payoff and a more emotional and uh empathetic payoff but whatever if you want to just create a cute character and then murder it to milk pathos then absolutely fine um but it was weird but great movie all around that's i've been rambling you could you should talk now <laughs> <laughs> i'm still recovering yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> everything you're talking about i was not well so <laughs> yeah. really good. I I don't have much to say about this, the instingers and the mid credit, I guess instinger and mid credit scene. The instinger sets up kind of what's next for star Lord. Uh, the mid credit scene gives us a little taste of that character that I mentioned earlier. So they're both worth seeing. Yeah. Um, but I don't have much to say about them. They're, they're just there. Uh, good movie. Cool. Really, really good. I loved it. Like, 9 out of 10. It was, yeah, it was really it fun. Was, it was I will probably good. try to see it again without tea. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't know that I can do it again. Had some really great action sequences, <laughs> really funny moments. I'll I come love... in the room for, like, certain parts. <laughs> and then I I'll love... just leave the room. 
yeah, I love how much of a role Nebula played. Like, I think it was cool to get to see Karen Gillan really flesh that character out. Yeah, Nebula's development um, is spectacular. And then Mantis and Drax have some really... It, it, my favorite part about this movie, if I could end on one final word, favorite part about this movie is in team movies, and I felt this way about the second one, but in team movies, it's really hard to give everybody a moment. You yeah. know what I mean? To really let everybody kind of have a moment. Give everybody development. Uh, And this did that. Yeah. This really let everybody kind of have a moment. And I, I think I said this exact same thing about uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy video game, which also did this very well. Like, yeah. Kind of let everybody have a moment and have a moment of growth and a moment of change and really like you see their characters grow. Uh, and this movie definitely did that. Yeah. Every single character, even Cosmo and Craglin, have their moments of like growth and change and expansion, uh, which is hard to do in a team movie. It's hard to get everybody that time. And it's hard to do it in a way where it doesn't feel muddled down by trying to force that. But James Gunn did a really good job. And I think that's just his niche is just being able to do team movies really, really well. Yep. And that's kind of what I'm hoping to come from the DCU. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. Anyway, I loved it. Go see it. Yes. Uh, and, you know, let us know what you thought. Bring tissues. Yep. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want more episodes, of, I don't remember how to do an outro. <laughs> if you want more episodes of Cover B, you can find them on our website, coverbpodcast.com. That's right. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Cover B Podcast. So thanks again for listening. Get out and see some movies. Uh, get out and be kind to one another. Have a good weekend. And we'll catch you on the next one. As always, I have been Chris. This has been T. You know it. And you have been listening to, to Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, everybody.